This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 71. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host to the Bigger Pockets podcast here in the hail capital of the world, Denver, Colorado, with my good friend, Brandon Turner. What's up, Brandon? Not much, Josh. I saw that hailstorm earlier in your area. I saw that uh, look pretty exciting. Well, yeah, we were evacuated thanks to tornado warnings and wicked hail. It's been kind of a hairy afternoon, so to speak. Nice, nice. Well, I, I miss those tornado warnings, you know. I, uh, yeah, you could I, I just get Midwest. rain and misery every day. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Yeah, nice, man. Nice. Well, today's uh, you know pretty cool show. We've got uh, with us Philip Vincent, a wholesaler from the St. Louis area, and he's got a lot of a lot of great tips uh, for us. Before we uh, get to Philip, uh, I know we wanted to do our quick tip. Yeah, you sound like a dying bird. Maybe one <laughs> of the birds that are in your wall just came out. No more birds. Patched up and done. Fabulous. Fabulous. So today's quick tip is if you've got any kind of deal, any kind of opportunity that uh, you uh, want other people to know about, put it on the Bigger Pockets marketplace. I, I, uh, I think it might be obvious to us uh, to do it, but uh, to, to others, it may not be as much. So uh, here's a quick story. I got an email today from a guy. He's a commercial real estate broker, I believe. He's like, he said, you know, listen, I just want to thank you guys. I was really hesitant to put something up in the marketplace. I didn't think it was really worth it. Uh, so I just did it on a whim. Thought maybe I'd get a couple of people to, to check it out over the course of a month. He said something like within a week, he had seven people reach out to him and contact him who want to work with him. So I think, you know, that kind of speaks to the power of the marketplace. It speaks to the power of the volume of people we've got on bigger pockets. And if you have, a service that that uh, you provide to real estate uh, investors, or if you've got deals or opportunities, and you think, oh well, why would I put it on bigger pockets? Nobody's going to care. You, you might as well try because uh, it 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 would shock you how many people are on bigger pockets. There are lots and lots of folks, and they're always looking for something. So get out there, post on the marketplace at biggerpockets.com/slash/marketplace, and uh, that's today's quick tip. Good job. All right. So today's show, let's get on to it. Uh, like Josh said, we have Philip Vincent and he's a wholesaler and he is doing a lot of cool stuff. So we want to get to that interview. Uh, before I do though, real quickly, ask questions if you have any in the show notes on biggerpockets.com slash show 71. You can talk to Philip there and uh, ask any clarification or you want more information, whatever. That's where you find it. Uh, also, we're awesome. going to have up a video of the hailstorm that Josh was in. So check that out too. Yeah, I don't know if that video actually ended up uh, surviving the hailstorm, but uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 try, we'll try and get up. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. 
There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. But uh, without further ado, why don't, we, uh, why don't we bring him in? Philip, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Brandon. Joshua, I can't uh, look forward to being on the show with you guys. Great. And we look forward to yeah, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, so today we're going to talk a lot about finding good deals, and uh, you're kind of an expert at that. And I know in today's market, it is very difficult for a lot of people to find them. So yeah, I'm excited to, to learn from you. But before we get to that, you know, my first question, I always ask, how, do you, how did you get started in real estate? Uh, for me, I have two cousins that are a little bit older than me. And uh, they both have been framers, uh, house framers since the age of 15. And they're now in their early 40s. So each one of them have over 25 years experience. And they've graduated all the way up into building multi-million dollar homes for custom builders here in St. Louis. And nice. uh, yeah, so I'll the, never forget. A, go ahead. No, sorry. So you have construction background. That's I do. Interesting. Tell us more about that. Uh, I'll never forget a story my cousin told me. He said that uh, he worked for a builder. He built a house and the builder had about a million dollars in the total project. That was the acquisition of the lot. And it was the acquisition, or I'm sorry, the, the complete build out of the house. He had $1 million in the total project. So he was going to go list the, pro- the house for about $1.4 million. And about the time that he did it, uh, the neighbor across the street listed their mid-century house, albeit it was updated, but he listed that house for $1.4 million as well. So the builder said to himself, well, man, if that old house is worth 1.4, I bet my house is worth more. So he decided to list it for uh, $1.8 million. And uh, about a month later, he got $1.8 million for the house. And so I'll never forget what my cousin told me. He said, man, I'd hate to be that guy. He's got to pay taxes on making (laughs) $800,000. And I'll 
I'll never forget it. it hurt my brain when he said it. I was like, that is exactly the kind of problem I'm looking for in my oh, life. Yeah. I, I want to make $800,000 in one deal. And so I, I think ever since that time, I realized that real estate's one of those businesses where you can make more than some people make in their whole lifetimes on one deal if you just do it right. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, you know, what, what your, was it your cousin or your friend or whomever it was that, that, that said that? Uh, we've heard that quite a few times. I know we hear that on the site. I, 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 I've, I've heard it in discussions and, and it baffles me. It really does. I mean, like, yeah. that's probably the best problem you can ever have is to yeah. have to pay a lot of money in taxes because you made a lot of money. So, well, yeah, especially considering he thought he was only going to try to make, you know, the attempt at 400. So to make 800, your taxes for hard pay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Right on. So you got you got this inspiration, and at, you know wh- what did you? How did you actually start getting into the biz? What did you do? So because of my cousins and my father, he also built our homes growing up. He wasn't doing nice. it for a living, but I was always around it. So just talking with my cousins, they always had uh, the plans of the builders that they built for. So I got to see a lot of building plans, and they said, "Hey, you know, we we build this one a lot. It sells a lot." Um, they, they knew which ones were popular, which ones they were building more of, and what styles, what sold. And so at uh, the age of 21, I actually built my first house for myself. So that was my wow. first real estate project, was general contracting my own house for myself. At nice. 21. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing at 21. I Dr- definitely wasn't Drinking a lot house. of beer and keg stands. Whatever, man. You know. Sure. Were you in a fraternity, Josh? That's what I thought. I, well, you know what? <laughs> Let's what just th- move on. I mean, really. <laughs> this is not about me. This is about Philip. All right, we're not going to go there. <laughs> All right. So you, were, you built your first house at 21 years old, which yep. is uh, impressive. Not many people. Very impressive. Yeah. It's not not I mean, just impressive. I, I think it's more impressive than Brandon does. <laughs> just, just so you know. Thanks. So how did, how did you parlay that? I mean, how did that... Where'd you go next? Did, did you go right into real estate investing or did you... You know, live for a while. Um, no, I lived in the house for a little bit over a year, and I sold it. I think I made somewhere around sixty thousand dollars. And I remember thinking to myself, "Well, that was pretty easy. I'd like to do that again." And <laughs> so, um, at the time, I actually owned uh, some cellular phone stores, and so that was my primary focus at the time. But then I said, "Hey, I'd like to get more into this building," uh, and so I started to build some spec homes in the early two thousands. So, I mean, it sounds like uh, you, you're an entrepreneur at heart. Obviously, you. You went out, got into the mobile uh, store business, and yeah. all of a sudden you're you're popping into to real estate. I w- you know I wonder. I think most successful investors tend to have that mentality. Would would you agree? I totally agree. Yeah. Is, yeah. You know, I, yeah. You have to have something, right? And, and I think I think that's it. So so you got into spec building, which which is pretty similar to to what your your. Uh, um, Uncle was doing and, and cousins. I you know I can't keep up with your family. You got too many people going on here. So somebody oh, it gets worse. It yeah. gets worse. Just oh, wait. Oh boy. So somebody's in there. You decide to get into spec building. Uh, tell us about the first uh, spec that you did. Oh, you guys will love this story. I, I built a house. I believe it was two thousand three. Uh, I bought the lot from a friend of mine. Found a plan that I liked. Started building it. And everything was going great. I even, through my cellular phone store, I had a, a real estate agent, of all people, come into my store. Uh, he told me he was getting ready to buy a house. And I said, I happen to have a house that fits exactly what you're wanting. And I sold it to him. I didn't have to pay a commission on either side. I sold it to a real estate agent. And I finished it out the way that he wanted from the rest of the way in. 
Nice. Wow. So it was a custom build, not just a spec, but it was a total custom. Yeah, I, I, I'm a custom builder. I would consider myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, so did that change? I mean, did that change how you kind of did things? I mean, so did you had you broken ground at that point, or oh, yeah. was oh you had okay? Oh yeah, we were framed framed up. We were just uh, waiting to put the drywall in. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. The unique cool. thing about that story too is, uh, and I've listened to all of your seventy podcasts. I've never heard anyone talk about this. I had a situation in St. Louis where the title company, the owner of the title company, stole eleven million dollars. Whoa! Wow. 30,000 of which was my money. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'll never forget uh, what, what had transpired a few days before the story broke was that when, you're, when you build houses, when you, you get draws from the title company, it's like a checkbook, right? Okay. So you yeah. ask them to draw it from the bank. And so I asked her to draw 30,000, or I asked her, actually, I asked her to draw 50,000. And she said, Do you need that much right now? And I said, Well, I think so. I said, Probably only need 30,000, 30, but I'd just like to have it there. And she says, well, let's just go ahead and do 30. And if you need it, we'll come back and do another one. So it turns out, had I <laughs> taken oh, the 50, wow. I actually would have lost 50,000. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I lost, I lost uh, I've, I've had quite a bit of money stolen from me in the land of St. Louis as well. So I, I, I feel your pain, my friend. <laughs> Who was it? I probably know him. We'll talk St. about Louis that another small, day. Small town. It is. It is indeed, man. Well, all right. So, so you did the spec build. You lost thirty k. Did you did did that get recovered through like insurance or anything like that? Or six thousand four hundred eighty three dollars of it did. Wow. wow. I got the check, and I remember thinking to myself, "Well, the only people that won in this deal was the lawyers." Yeah. So that uh, really sucks. That really yeah, sucks. All right. So so you get this first spec. What 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 were the final numbers in terms of profit and, and uh, cost? I would have made seventy. Um, well. Oh. He added his uh, some numbers onto the top, so I would have made seventy. I think he he added a commission onto the build price and gave it back to himself. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is interesting. It is, but it, and, the numbers and were there. Is that I mean, is that kosher? It worked. I ended up making about thirty thousand instead of uh, well forty thousand instead of seventy on that deal. Interesting. Yeah. Still well, not, yeah, still not, not bad. a bad first deal, right? No, seventy would have been better though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you knocked it out, and do you, do you go and do another one, or what, what's next? Well, that's when my life takes a little bit of a change. Um, I owned a website, an automotive website, to remain nameless, but they used to put fish tanks in cars, if that helps you at all. And uh, so I made my living, actually, through uh, AdSense and AdWords, uh, pay-per-click advertising. Gotcha. And so I was making a lot of money, and I was parlaying it back into real estate. Gotcha. Cool. Well, like buy and holds? No, actually new construction. Um, I went with that cousin who told me the story of the $800,000 guy. We decided to do a joint venture where he would put up his time and effort and I would put up my cash and we would build our first million dollar spec. Nice. The year was 2007. <laughs> and uh, It's a good year, especially <laughs> to build a first yeah, spec. Great year. Yeah, for, first million dollar spec. And that's actually why I got my real estate license. I knew on a million dollar house, you're going to pay 50 grand a commission. Yep. And I wanted to not give $50,000 away. So I went out and got my uh, real estate license at that time. Nice. Good so, idea, I think. How'd that work out? Uh, horribly. <laughs> We're going to get into the failures. Uh, Sorry to laugh. I mean, it's, no, we, we, okay. we laugh with you, not for you. Or no, for I, you, I, not with you. I, I drive by that house still. It's in, it's in Chesterfield. Do you egg drive, the house when you drive past it? No, I, I love that house. I built, oh. I'm proud of what I built there. I okay. just, my pocketbook doesn't reflect what happened. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that's okay. You learn, you, you learn from those mistakes. I've definitely learned from all of my mistakes. So it was a million dollar house. I, I got to ask, how much did you lose? Uh, $200,000. All right, so we're we're net negative, uh, lots of cash at this point, yeah, and yeah. we're thinking, shoot, this is a real estate business might not be the right business. Well, for million dollar spec builds in yeah. two thousand seven and eight, yeah, it was not the right time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, you had to have transitioned your your uh, course. I did. Uh, my because I had my real estate license, I was able to fall back on that. I was out of the cellular phone business. I had sold those in uh, I think two thousand two, and. Uh, the internet money had dried up as well, so I had to look for something else, and we started to buy, uh, fix up, and sell. So normal rehabs to retail. Okay, and so you became a basically a house flipper. I mean, yeah, with with my father, I was actually uh, listing his properties for him. And our goal, my goal, was always to try to get in front of the deals. Where where were the deals at? And that led me on my course to find uh, eventually wholesaling. Okay, and the company that I work for today. Okay, so why don't we why don't we walk through that just that transition real quick? That you went from from house flipping to working for a company who wholesales lots, of, or you're wholesaling for a company that does a lot of uh, what flips or whatever. Let kind of walk us through that transition. So you know, two thousand seven, eight, nine, there was a lot of uh, foreclosures, and we went a lot on your uh, auction dot com, your uh, Hudson and Marshall, your you know your auction sites, yep. and we would go and buy them. And I'll never forget uh, that feeling of when it was uh, auction day because they used to be on site or in a big ballroom. And it was so exciting because I had already done my due diligence. We had already been in the house. We figured what the ARV was, what their fix-up cost would be, and we knew where we had to buy it. And so that uh, the adrenaline rush of going there that day and trying to bid on a house, uh, the problem was is that when retail buyers were there that day, you would never get anything bought because they would always outbid you. So there wasn't enough auctions in our town to keep us busy enough. So it made me try to go out and find more uh, deal, how to get in front of the deal. So I, I thought I should go work for an REO company. They have all the, the bank home listings. I should work for them. Yeah. Well, it turned out it, it didn't work out that way. It was unfortunate because I would know about deals, you know, 90 days early, but because of the, um, the owner occupancy period, the 15 days or 20 days or 30 days where they had the first right to buy it, yeah. I would know about this deal 90 days before it was even listed, but I still had to wait to day 31 sometimes to put my offer in. So it wasn't it, it was not, I wasn't in front of the deals like I thought I would be. There was no advantage. No advantage, whatever. In fact, it was just more frustrating than anything. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, so, so go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was say, so, how did you so, get from that to the, to the current job? So I kept going. I knew that wasn't going to work. Um, I reached out to my local RIA. Uh, there's a RIA here in St. Louis called the Southside Investment Club, and they have about 2,300 members. So I started going to the, to the meetings. And uh, they have a very vibrant community where they post, uh, you know, I'm looking for gutters, I'm looking for a lawyer, you know, whatever, whatever there is, kind of like bigger pockets, you know, just on a smaller scale. And uh, it was, I get my, because there's about 40 emails a day, I get them in one email at 5, 10 in the morning. And I'll never forget, I woke up, the very first one was said, Faster House is looking for a, uh, an investor. And then I read the job description of what they were looking for. And I looked at my wife and I said, this job is what I do best. And so I called Brian, who owns Faster House, and uh, set up an interview. And within about three weeks, I had the job. Nice. Okay. Cool. All right. So, so what were you hired to do exactly? So my job is to take the leads, uh, go meet with the people, figure out what the rehab cost is going to be, what the ARV is going to be, and get the house under contract and uh, 
that's, that's all I really need to do. Then the opposite side of it is once we buy a house, then if I'm going to wholesale, then I also need to find the buyer. So I do a lot of networking with other wholesalers, other investors, other rehabbers. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So, so, well, let's start with the leads then. I mean, how, how are you guys now that you're there and you've been working there, it sounds like a number of years. years. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, first, first step in the process, right? You got to, got to find the leads. So where are you guys finding them and what are you doing? Uh, what are your sources? Uh, I know you guys don't like uh, bandit signs, so I'm happy to say we don't do bandit signs. Woo-hoo. Uh, we do a lot of direct mail, uh, yellow letter campaigns, probate leads, uh, absentee owners, uh, a lot of uh, pay-per-click, um, online SEO, natural SEO. Uh, we create a lot of content. We try to do a lot of testimonials, a lot of video. Uh, Brian and Debbie are very good at uh, building the company right. So as far as the little guys go, we're actually pretty big. Uh, Brian's bought over 60 houses a year for the past decade. So even through, if you think about, you know, what's, yeah. you know, through those dry periods, he was consistently buying that many houses with his marketing efforts. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah, I, I mean, those are, those are kind of the traditional methodologies. What are you guys finding? Now, and you're, are you focusing on uh, the St. Louis area? I am. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, we bought 77 houses last year. And so, when people ask me where do we buy, it's almost easier to, for me to say where we don't buy, which is uh, North City. Yeah. But just about everywhere else in, in St. Louis area and St. Charles area counties, yeah. uh, we buy in those areas. Gotcha. And do you guys focus on the A, the B, the C, like what neighborhood types? Are you focusing on the high end, uh, the, the lower end? We definitely focus on the high end. Um, I've started to get myself into the lower end. Uh, there's a lot of REITs in town that are buying up houses and they're almost paying retail prices for them. Okay. So there's money to be made. So uh, I try to find those deals as well. Gotcha. So gotcha. you're saying you start with the high end. Now, I feel like most wholesalers or investors or whatever, myself included, we all started with the cheapest, ugliest, oh, yeah. dirtiest houses. I mean, like there's a house for $5,000, you know, like, I mean, that's what like a lot of investors go for. So yeah. how does that compare with what you're doing and why do you guys do the higher end ones? Um, what does that look like? Well, I mean, with the higher end ones, we always look at the school district. Um, if there's a lot of people looking for that school district, it's always easier to sell it. Yep. And so the higher, when I say higher end, I mean, St. Louis prices are not like Washington or Denver's prices. You know, not we're a even lot, close. <laughs> not even close. You know, I could almost say 300,000 plus is a higher end where I think in Denver, it's about your median yeah. uh, price. Yeah. And, um, I bought a, I, my first multi in St. Louis was 90,000 for four. What street? Uh, we'll, we'll keep off that. <laughs> it was, it was South city. It wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a tough area. I mean, a lot of people like South City, and uh, I think it's definitely going the right way. But you know, this was years ago that yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, I was there at the wrong time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but okay, ahead, so yeah, I know you had a point on that. Well, I just want to know, like, I mean, what does that what does that mean? I mean, what what are these conditions of these houses? That what's an ideal property that you're looking for? Are they three bedroom, two bath, nice houses? You know, sure. That ranches. Okay. We yeah. try to stay away from weird. Yeah. Uh, designs that don't, you know, fun- functional obsolescence doesn't sell well. Um, we like normal brick ranches that uh, need the, um, the updates, you know. The, the, we, we buy a lot of time capsule houses, you know. I think the generation that we buy from, they had the feeling that if it wasn't broke, they weren't going to fix it. Yeah. So we just bought a condo in a nice uh, suburb and um, it still had uh, lime green countertops, you know, orange dishwasher i can't believe a dishwasher made it since the 
70s, but it did. Wow. <laughs> I don't ever, fix it. Yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. No, no. apparently not. And so um, the time capsule houses are great. Uh, we, we really try to, uh, to, to buy houses that people took care of. We'll buy some junky ones too, but we hardly ever rehab those. We like to rehab houses that were taken care of um, because just the pride of ownership. And people that took care of the house over the, their whole life of owning it, it always seems like those houses are easier to rehab versus the houses that, uh, you know, they just neglected everything. Yeah, that's for sure. I, w- I walked through a house yesterday that it was, I mean, just a pit. Like they neglected everything. It wasn't just outdated. It wasn't, it was just terrible. And so we're not going to do anything with it because it was just far more than I think it's worth putting into. So yeah, I, I wish I had done more when I was starting out with the good houses and good neighborhoods that were just ugly or whatever, right. you know, like I wrote a post a while back called like how not to flip a house. And I'll link to that in the show notes at uh biggerpockets.com slash show 71. But yeah. in that, my largest mistake in that property, uh, I mean, it wasn't a $200,000 like, you know, spec build. So, I mean, you, you w- take the cake on, on tragic stories, but like it, it, I made no money on this deal after like two years of work. And the reason why is because I bought something that was functionally obsolescent. If that's the like, it was a duplex that I decided to turn into a single family house. Uh, Terrible, obsolete. obsolete. Is that right? Okay, fine. Yeah. Thank you, mom. <laughs> so wow. I, I bought a house that was a duplex, and I wanted to turn it into a single family house. It was huge. I mean, I thought a big, huge house would be awesome. But uh, what's that quote you said a minute ago? Like, don't buy weird. I yeah, should have. We don't sh- buy weird. Yeah, I should have learned that lesson up front. That's a huge tip for anybody listening. I think is. Yeah. Yeah. When you're especially when you're starting out, don't buy weird because yeah. right. Yeah. Some guy and the, and, and making ahead. moves like that, I you know, because I I made a similar thing. I t- I turned a four into a three once, and that was a big big mistake as well. Yeah, so sure. I you know I I think you know if if you got the guts, if you got the framework, if it's built you know for a specific purpose, you usually want to kind of keep to that because there there's there's typically a reason. I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, right on. So so you're you're picking up these properties. And ultimately, as as part of this company that you're at, your your goal is to wholesale them. Uh, are you guys doing any flips, or, or are you really just turning them? Sure. So out of the seventy seven last year, I would say half of them we rehabbed and sold retail, but the other half that we uh, wholesaled the properties. And the way we do it is we have two full time crews, and so when the crews are busy, we look at wholesaling. When the crews are not busy, they move on to rehab them. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I never yeah. really heard that model before. It makes sense for a big company, like a larger company, to do that, though. Sure. Um, well, it makes sense for somebody smaller too, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it really does, right? Like, yeah, if I mean, you if you've got the trust, leads, yeah. yeah, yeah, we don't fall in love with any deal. I mean, it's almost like uh, don't go against the stream. If you know, if you can sell it and make a good dollar amount, just get it gone and move on to the next one. Well, yeah. I think the key is, you know, deal flow, right? I, I, sure. What you guys, it sounds like, are doing is you're pumping out a fair amount of deal flow, and you're getting a lot of leads, and you're going through them, and you're not tossing them. You know, if if you tied up them one way, you're you're using another strategy, and I, I think that's something that not enough newer investors do is have the the the, the multiple exits. Know that you know, okay, well, this doesn't meet my criteria for A, uh, so I can do B or C with it, and or a you know what i'm so tied up doing a and b that i can't i got to let this deal go i'm going to throw it in the trash well don't why would you throw it in the trash that's money right yeah i, I don't ever let anything go in the trash uh, i bought a house a few weeks ago for $1000 that i sold for 2000 there you go and, and i i get ex- just as excited about those deals as i do the big ones because um, in this business i think 
Uh, I try to do. I try to look at it backwards. I'm trying to figure out what my buyers will pay, and then I buy it for less. So, so a thousand dollar house. Are, are we buying in Detroit, or what are we doing here, man? <laughs> oh, we've got some Detroit esque areas. Yeah, St. Louis, Louis is oh. way Detroit esque, man. Yeah, certain parts. <laughs> Not where I live, but <laughs> East, East, East St. Louis. Come on. <laughs> I bet you spent a lot of time there, didn't you? I, d- I did not spend a lot of time there. If you're inferring anything like strip clubs and gambling, one a.m. to three a.m. Yeah, I, I don't do those things. Thank you very much, but you know, thanks for playing, Philip. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah. so, so yeah. I want to hear about this thousand dollar house. Like, what what was it? What did it look like? How'd you find North it? County. It was horrible. Um, I, I think the person was going to buy it and put ten thousand in it and turn it into a rental. Hmm. Okay. So do you mind me asking, like, how did they, how did you get the lead for that? Do you remember how that came in? Um, you don't have I think to know. It was, I'm just curious. No, it was a, another wholesaler brought it to me. Okay. That's the other thing. You know, you guys have asked me, um, how do we find our deals? Um, we, we work with wholesalers a lot. Young wholesalers that don't know where to sell their house. They go through all, you know, they have the, the cojones to go out and put the sign out and go get it under contract and... Yep. Then they're like, now what in the world do I do with it? And with Faster House, um, we have a reputation that's very, very good. And if we say we're going to buy it, we're going to buy it from you. And so I think we help solve that issue for a lot of young people starting out. Uh, they don't know who's going to be their buyer. Um, we, we, we buy just about every house as long as there's meat on the bone. So people like to work with us. So we have a lot of referral business. Okay. Um, I want to actually go back a little bit. I know we're, we're talking about the deals and stuff, but it occurs to me that we never really talked about, you have a job. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a position, a job at a company that, that does this stuff. And that is something that we recommend people all the time that if they want to get started in real estate, they should pursue that kind of avenue. So why don't we talk about why do you, like, do you recommend other people start that way? Is it go work for maybe a larger investor and learn the business that way? Or what are your thoughts on that? So uh, January 1st, I pulled my brother and my brother-in-law into wholesaling from their corporate jobs. And so both of them have aligned themselves with other people that have been in the business. And they've uh, come leaps and bounds in five months. They're, uh, they're making more. Both of them last month made more in one month than they did their previous year at their uh, secular job. And so aligning somebody with uh, that's already, you know, Doing it on your own is kind of like you're, you might be lost in the, the desert. But if you're joining a group, you might not make some of those mistakes. Like you said, buying the $5,000 house in the bad neighborhood and putting 50000 in it. You probably won't do that if you're with somebody who's seasoned. Yep. So I, strong, I strongly suggest uh, aligning yourself with somebody. Nice. So let, let, let's talk about what your day looks like. Because to me, you know, I, think, I think it'd be interesting for you know, investors, new and experienced to, to kind of hear what, what, what's a day in the life? What's a day in the life like? So yeah, I, like, I, what I do have you a do? great life. Yeah. About nine, nine o'clock, nine thirty, I show up at the office. Um, I usually have my first appointment around 10. Uh, I usually like to eat. I, ha- I hate to eat alone. So I like to do a lot of networking for lunches. Um, usually have appointments one, three, one o'clock, three o'clock, you know, however many I can stack up in a day and I go meet with the families and try to get them under contract. Okay. So your your role is really really exclusively you're the guy who goes out and deals with the folks once once you find once somebody at the firm finds the good lead. Sure. I mean, I'll vet them a little bit. I'll I'll get the lead uh through the office and I'll call them to make sure that there is equity there, yeah. or at least the chance at equity. Yeah. And then I'll try to set it up immediately. I like to go out uh sometimes I'm always or a lot of times I'm the first guy there and 
sometimes that's bad because they want to get three or four prices and then they just use my number against me. Uh, but I still like to be <laughs> yeah. the first guy there. Um, we, we try to do a lot of value add. Uh, these people, when they're selling these houses, a lot of times it's the first time they've ever done it. They don't know what to do with the stuff or the car or the jewelry. Or, and so we have uh, um, people that we work with for all of those. So I feel like even if I don't buy their house, I'm still giving them a value add for being there. And I think people like to work with us because of that. Uh, we just, you know, we tell them that we're an option for them. Uh, we're not uh, used car salesmen. Uh, we're very, we're a very positive company. We, we try to go in and uh, say, hey, here's what we can do for you if this works great. And we've had good success because of that. Cool. Cool. Yeah, well, and I think that's a, that, that's a, a good way to look at real estate in general, right? If you can just add value to somebody's life, you may not get every deal and that's okay. You're not going to get any deal anyway. But if you can just yeah. kind of build that reputation and uh, you know help other people in the process, I think a lot of real estate investors would have not such a bad name. So uh, anyway, kudos to you on that. Yeah. Uh, can we walk through the, the conversations that you have with people? Uh, with motivated sellers. So when a lead comes in, let's say a lead comes in through yellow letter or whatever, you know, you send out a, a mail and they call in. Do you take that initial phone call? Does it go to a voicemail? And then what do you say on that call with somebody? So it goes into the uh, call center and then they take the lead and it comes back to me in a text form uh, or an email form and then I call them back. Okay. And what but, do you, what do you well, say? During, during business hours, I should preface, during business hours, we do have a live, uh, Heather answers the phones for us there at the office. Okay. Yeah. And what, what information is actually given to, to you specifically? To be honest, I just need their number. I'll find out everything else on the phone call. But I mean, I do know quite a bit. I usually know uh, the address, um, why they're selling. And uh, it, just from the address alone, I, I can know a lot because I, I try to know, almost, I mean, every zip code in my city. So if I just have their name and number, I, I can usually take it from there. That's gotcha. Cool. Do you do you then ask? I mean, like, do you do a little bit of research ahead of time? Look up their, you know, the county records or whatever. What what do you look for beforehand? Equity. I'm looking for meat on the bone. That's okay. it. And, uh, and we, how do you we call it? How do you do that? A lead. A lead that has potential is what we call it. And some, when you say that sentence, you think maybe it just means a house that oh they are a willing seller. That's not what that means for us. A lead that has potential uh, to me means that the person owes less on the house than what Faster House is willing to pay for it. Yep. Plain and simple. Okay. So a lot of the houses we buy have 100% equity, obviously, but um, any house where they owe less than what we would buy it for, that's a lead that has potential. So, so I will go out on that lead and I'll try to get it bought and you know, I have a pretty, pretty good close ratio. Okay. So, well, I mean, I want to know this because I'm not, I'm not good at this side of things, right? So somebody calls me, two days ago, I talked to a lady who calls me up and says, I want to sell my house. And uh, she's like, can you come out and take a look at it? What do I say to her? I mean, do I say, well, first of all, let's talk about how much equity you have. Or, I mean, because that would be a rude question to just throw. No, so you don't do you ask do? it that way. You got to be a little smoother than that. Brandon. <laughs> yeah, Brandon. Jeez, Jeez, man. Well, I want to hear your, I want to hear your uh, GQ smooth over yeah, here. You got, <laughs> is uh, Fumbelina. All right. Teach, I, I teach me. I love this business because they're selling me a product, right? They're selling me their house. So they want my answer. They want to know how much I'm going to sp- pay them for it. And so it's different than sales, you know, where you're trying to force it back on them. They, they want me to give them the number and you just, you get in the conversation, you know, uh, uh, how long have you owned the home? Why are you selling the home? I, I, one I've started to implement is what style is the home? A lot of people have no idea what kind of house that they live in. And usually it's the time for them to go, oh, it's an old piece of crap, <laughs> which is not a style of a home, but it tells me a little bit more about what they think their home is worth. Interesting. You that's, know, it that's gets great. them talking. Yeah. Um, we buy a lot of estate properties. Um, so I feel like a shrink half the time when you say, when I go on these calls, 
I'm dealing with what I always call with the most responsible child, the executor of the estate. Yeah. And so, you know, you, it's an emotional time for them. They, they've got uh, other kids or, you know, their brothers and sisters that are usually out of town that think it's worth a million dollars, you know, so they're fighting them off. And, you know, they, I, every, every day it's like, well, Jerry lives in Chicago. He hasn't been down to help me. And, you know, <laughs> by, that, by that fourth weekend, their back is hurting. And they've just now gotten over the hump of how much stuff that people have. And they're just ready for some help. And so, you know, I, I think that we do good, a good job at, um, you know, selling that house might be the, the hardest part. And if we can make that easy on them, you know, people love to work with us because of that. Okay. That's great. So That's great. You, said, you said earlier you had a good close rate. Do you happen to like have a percentage or do you, do you, just, do you say you close most of them? A quarter no, of them. Not most of them. I wish that would be. That would be not nice. Most of them. Like um, what? What's good? Like what's a good close rate when you're meeting with somebody? Well, how many leads I go on versus leads that actually had potential? You know that out of out of a given month, if I buy, you know, I buy four probably four houses myself out of twenty good leads. Okay. All right. So, and what about the? Do you happen to know like good leads versus not good leads? You know, like let's say a hundred calls come in. Yeah. Out of them, what do you think would actually be a meat on the bone lead that you're going to pursue? Mm, 30%. Okay. And then okay. out of those, you maybe close uh, a few out of them. Yeah, a few, a few a month. Okay. I mean, just because they have equity doesn't mean they see it your way or yep. that they're going to want your yeah. price. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Hey, man, I, I could talk to my parents all day about what their house is worth, but they don't want to hear it. No, they have it, they have it in their head. I like it when people tell me what they want to sell their house for based on what their bills are. Like nice. they say, well, we owe, we owe, you know, this to the doctor. So we need 64,000. I'm like, well, your house isn't worth 64,000 just because you need it for a hospital bill. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you make a lot of these calls and you talk to a lot of these people. I wonder, you know, is how much of this is a generation gap? How much of this is, uh, just pretty much, you know, are you, are you, is it anybody who's got a house and, and they, they've been there for a few years? They don't, they don't have a clue. Or are we talking, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the old generation, you know, the 60, 70, 80 year olds that are just kind of not, not all on the ball with what, what their properties are worth? It's their kids that we're dealing with. So the boomers' uh, parents, whose, whose houses we're buying in general. Yeah. Um, when you say the generations, the, the baby boomers still live in their McMansions and still have debt and they're very busy. Their parents paid off their house in probably the 60s or 70s. Yeah. And they never moved. And those, those baby boomers don't want to move into mom and dad's house, yeah, at least in sense. St. Louis. Yeah. They don't want to go back there. Uh, they have memories there, but they're not trying. And, and honestly, if they were going to fix it up and put their kid in it or something, I would have never gotten that lead. So I'm only dealing with houses of people that don't truly want the house anymore. It's a burden for them instead yeah. of an asset. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Do you, do you have an idea of how many, I mean, this is, I'm jumping all over the place today. I'm sorry. But how, okay. what do you think these leads? These frantic people. I, frantic. Well, I, I just, I have a lot of questions that I don't know where to throw them all in. So my, my first question, I guess, is the leads you talked about, SEO, you're getting them from yellow letters, you're getting them from, uh, you know, a lot of different places like that. What is most effective for you? Like, do you know your company? Like, what, what's driving the most leads? The most profitable or the most amount? Oh, good question. How about, uh, I don't know Both. either. Well, I mean, there's a lot of low hanging fruit in some of the lower end areas cost wise. Um, I mean, we can buy houses for 15 grand and sell them for 30 grand, do that pretty consistently. 
Um, but your, your bigger dollar houses are the ones that you uh, are in the higher end areas, the nicer areas. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And, and, what, and what leads then? Yeah, I was going to say, what leads do you think are best for like the higher end areas? Is it is this state sales? I mean, like state, state sales, probate leads. Oh yeah, probate leads. Okay, okay, that's they're cool. harder to find. But when you do find them, they're usually more fruitful than uh, just somebody that bought their house three years ago. Those those kind of deals you had said about are they young people calling in? Hardly ever are those the houses that we buy. Okay, you know, we're buying time capsule houses that have been in the family for 30, 40, 50. In fact, I, I went on a lead the other day. Uh, the 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 mother lived in the house since 1931. Wow! Whoa, that's, yeah, that's a long time. That is a long time. That is. Yeah. So where where do you find your probate leads? Is is that through like mailing lists or? Uh, so we subscribe to two local uh, the, the county in which is the St. Charles County paper, and then the St. Louis Business Journal, okay. which is the St. Louis County. And we go through there just because a probate's open does not mean that they owned property. They could have lived in an apartment or with somebody else. So we have to. Uh, match it against the tax records to see if that person did in fact own property. Then we need to look up to see if there was uh, a loan taken against it recently. You know, we're trying to look for equity plays. And once once we realize that uh, that there is equity and the probate, you know, it's a house that's going to be sold. That's when we start our marketing campaign to the probate. So what do what are you finding exactly in these papers? Are you finding like a death notice? Or, or, or does it say, you know, probate or estate sale or something like that? What, what exactly, what information are you seeing there? Uh, what you just said, the, the, the death notice. Okay. The death notice. Oh, so you, okay. So you guys are literally going through whenever people pass away and you're trying to see if they have uh, assets, uh, a property in their name. If and they if might they, want to sell. And, and then how do you actually find out who's in charge of, of the estate at that point? We, uh, fortunately for us in that information, they also put who the attorney is. Okay. So we, uh, we send letters to the attorneys as well. Gotcha. No, this isn't the obituaries, is it? This no. This is like a legal no, no, death no. This notice? This is uh, open probate cases. Okay. Okay. So someone has passed away. You have to open probate. It's like a year and you know, you're shouting from the rooftops. Hey, did George owe anybody any money? If you did, now it's time to come get it. Well, during that time, um, that's when we start to market to them because most likely they're going to have a house that they want to sell. Okay. And what's, what's, the, what's the amount of time it typically takes between the beginning of marketing on one of these probate deals and uh, the time at which you guys close on the ones you close on? That's a good question. Um, we try to touch them about five to seven times, including the attorney as well. So that's 14 touches. I think... Um, because we CC the attorney, uh, people take it a little bit more serious that uh, they almost think that we're working with the attorney uh, because our letters say, hey, we've also CC'd your lawyer about this if you guys want to sell it. Just, uh, so I'm going to say five months okay. once they start getting it to okay. closing. Um, I had one close the other day that it took us three months to get to the closing table for many, many reasons. And so fortunately for us, when you buy as many houses as we do, it's okay if it takes that long because we're buying houses every single month in the year. It's not like we have a slow period or, you know, we're buying houses every month. So we, yeah. we, we go along on the ride with them. You know, they, uh, they have a goal to sell the house. We have a goal to buy the house. Yeah. And so together we work together and we're flexible. I like the idea of, of copying the attorney. I think, I yeah. think a, I mean, a, I think it kind of extends some kind of level of, of professionalism because I think the, the property owners, you know, if if the attorney, if you were doing something that wasn't on the up and up, and you're not, uh, then you wouldn't be ceasing their lawyer. So I think it actually probably gives them a little bit level of comfort to know that the lawyer is in on the picture, sees that you guys, uh, what you're exactly what you're doing. Right. 
I agree. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Um, all right. So you, you had talked about uh, on, on the lead, lead side, uh, the website. Uh, and, and you seem to have a pretty active website. How does, how does that do as a traffic source for your leads and... and uh, how do you? Uh, how long did it take you to 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 get that to start working as a light engine? Been at Faster House for a few years, and uh, I've noticed a change even in that short amount of time. That we used to get a lot of yellow pages uh, calls, and those have almost all gone away. And now they're almost all internet marketing leads. 
Interesting. Uh, can can you clarify that? So so what do you mean you're getting yellow pages calls? So yellow pages, I don't know what you call it. The phone book, yeah. That. The phone book, in the phone book. And so um, those leads have dried up over time. We still get them every once in a while. I mean, it's, it's still probably an effective marketing tool. It's just not our business. Um, you know, we'd only do probably five houses a year if we relied only on the yellow pages. Uh, but with the internet, um, we probably get, um, I would say, 70 or 80% of our leads are through uh um, pay-per-click or uh, just naturally uh, ranking high for keywords here so, in the St. Louis so, market. So you're also uh, putting ads in the yellow pages is what you're saying? Sure. We've done it for years. Okay. I mean, okay. You know, we've continued to do that. What I'm saying is in the two years, I've noticed the change, the switch from sure. what used to work to what's working today. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're doing pay-per-click and you're doing organic. What type of content are you guys producing that that you would say is is driving people? Because you said, you know, go out and produce decent content. What 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 might an example of that be for somebody who's not in the St. Louis area? Nothing's better than a good testimonial. Okay, how, to, do, how, to take, how does that look? So if I know it's going to, I mean, well, sometimes their personality is better than others. And so, you know, they have a little bit of character in them. So I'll show up at the closing, say, how is your experience with Faster House? And I'll throw the camera on. I won't even tell them what's going to happen because if they have to think about it, people get nervous. I'd rather that be natural. And I say, hey, uh, how is your experience with Faster House? And they'll say, you know, it was great. You said what you were going to do. And, you know, that, that, it's less than a minute long, but it's some of the best content because it's uh, not prompted or scripted. It's from the people that we're actually buying houses from. Well, that's cool. So you, did you throw that up on YouTube and then put it on your site then, I'm assuming? Or how does that work? Correct. That's okay. correct. We do. Okay. That's a cool idea. That's very cool. I mean, just in, in like internet business in general, that's always, I mean, that's just kind of a common thing. Not just internet business, but all business, right? Testimonials are always... One when they're the, real. Yeah, when they're real testimonials. When they're real. You can see through them when they're not. Because oh, it's so easy. Yeah, John yeah. P. says this, and there's no link, and there's no picture, and there's no video. You go to pretty much every guru site, and you'll see John R. and Mike yeah. P. And there's, <laughs> you know, yeah, okay, I believe you. Ours are pretty funny because they're so uh, natural. Uh, I remember a couple recently. Um, when she was done talking, she elbowed her husband for him to start talking. <laughs> you know, you're just not going to get that. If, yeah, if you're kind of how how Brandon and I point to each other on the podcast here. Yeah, exactly. Little ribbon going on. That's pretty awesome. That's funny. That's, That's funny. Awesome. You talked about SC, or I mean, it's like uh, pay per click ads. Can is yeah. that Google or Facebook or Bing or what are you doing? Uh, what are you guys doing for pay per click? What's What's Bing, Brandon? Yeah, uh, I hear it's a search engine people use. Uh, uh, correct, <laughs> correct on all three. Uh, nice. Google is the to me, Google is the internet. If you're going to do searching, um, you know they have most of the traffic. Uh, Facebook is a different animal, and I, I'm already starting to see the shift there too. Um, if you think about the stickiness of Facebook, the average person spends 45 minutes a day on Facebook. Oh. That is just a ridiculous number. So the amount of eyeballs that they have there, it's a different type of marketing. So if you type in "buy my St. Louis house for cash" into Google, you're probably looking for me. Where if you're saying, um, "Hey, I," I need help selling my house, and then the ad shows up on on the right side with Facebook. It's a uh, it's a different type of advertising, but um, it's so much cheaper for those clicks that I think uh, Facebook has its place. And in fact, I think Facebook is um, doing it right. They have so much data about who the people are. You can really, really get targeted on your marketing efforts with Facebook. Yeah, I, I find that I get a lot of clicks. Um, I, I'm advertising Facebook. I don't do much with Google at all right now, at all, but I get a lot of clicks on on Facebook. But I don't know if I get a whole ton of Good conversion. Clicks. Yeah, I don't get. I mean, I haven't done in the last what month. I've been doing Facebook ads pretty heavily. I haven't got yeah. one single deal yet from it. But 
I don't know. I, I it's hard to tell. I mean, it's only a month, so it takes time. Obviously, they got to build up a brand name and all that good stuff. But sure, are, are you doing are you doing one blanket ad for your whole city, or are you trying to get it down, broken down into smaller campaigns? I'm doing one for my whole city because my area is really small. Um, I don't live in a, you okay. know, a There's large There's like area. six people in a city. <laughs> okay, yeah. I do it like my county. And so what I, I mean, here's what I did. I did my ad just says like, you know, like, uh, what does it say? Something about Aberdeen in the title of it. So then people are like shocked there's a local ad because we don't, people don't advertise on Facebook in my area. And, and then so yeah, I'm getting a lot of clicks. I don't know if it's worthwhile, but I think total in the past month, I spent like $200 and I probably had a dozen phone calls or so. And so it's still pretty good, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. I, th- I think yeah. I mean, if, yeah. It, it t- if it takes me fifty phone calls to get uh, my first deal out of Facebook, and it costs me a total of three or four hundred bucks or five hundred dollars, I mean, that's still so, worth it. I'm sure. sure so. And even if for the whole year, if it's only twenty four hundred dollars a year, you're probably going to get one deal done and make more than that. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I, I won't stop it anytime soon. I think that's a lot of people stop their direct mail or their marketing or whatever way too soon. They think, yeah. oh, it didn't work this month. I better quit it. Yeah, That's good for me, by the way, when people do that. I, I work with <laughs> a, a mail, uh, a printer, and he says 90% of the time somebody will buy his list and mail to them and they'll never come back again. Just send it once, yep. And, and, and then complain. There's a lot of complainers out there and they just don't listen. They're, you know, the guy's saying, hey, you need to continually touch these people over and over. Yeah. They just don't believe in it. You, know? yep. you, you have to look at marketing as the... Uh, it's not costing you any money. It's actually making you your money if you do it correctly. Yeah, and and they say seven touches, you know, to to sure. get somebody. But well, well then let, let's go back to what what Brandon was talking about with with the uh, the ads. You, you know, I think a lot of newer investors give up too soon. You know, we've talked about that a lot, um, uh, p- particularly with like, hey, I just spent you know two hundred dollars to acquire a lead. And or you know twenty leads and none of them have panned out. Well, I should just stop this. This method sucks. Well, you know, had you gotten a thousand, uh, you, you might have gotten three, and the next thousand might have gotten you three. But guess what? Those three leads that actually closed and and that you spent a grand on, you know, brought you a hell of a lot more money than than uh, it cost you. So yeah, you really do need to be patient and and just kind of you know buy, buy yourself a little bit more more time. I think. Yeah, you should. Almost, I think you should almost go into it with a six-month strategy. If you're yeah. not going to do six months worth of advertising, you probably shouldn't even start. Yeah, yeah, I think, I that's, think that's fair. What, what do you think would be a fair budget then? You know, for for somebody who says, you know, because I, I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, I could get into real estate for nothing. I don't have, I don't need money to buy the property. I don't need money to lock it in. I can wholesale it. You know, it's not going to cost me anything. Well. That's not true. I mean, I, I actually, you know, it's funny when I started as a real estate agent, I kind of had that mindset. I was like, well, you know, I don't have a ton of cash that I want to spend on my marketing and, you know, it, it can't cost that much to be a real estate agent. And I very quickly learned otherwise, uh, but I was fine. Uh, but I, I think most people find themselves uh, in a position where they're not fine and they find themselves where they, uh, they under budget the actual cost to get in. Uh, and and the under budget, the cost to do some marketing. So, what would you say a new investor should have in pocket to be able to start getting those deals flowing in terms of marketing cash? I mean, I, I like the number of about a thousand dollars a month to really do it right. Um, you can get started super cheap. We actually, I saw a guy the other day took uh, cardboard paper and sticks and made we buy houses signs with them and stuck them on the side of the road. Uh, we see a lot of guys starting off with the bandit signs, 
I don't know why that's the go-to for people, but it seems to be. That's because the gurus uh, like it. And <laughs> sure, and they and they honestly work. And they work. They, they yeah. really do work, and so uh, they just we don't do blight it. our we cities. Think it's tacky. And, yeah, we yeah. think it's tacky, but I mean, we do buy a lot of houses from people that do do it. So yeah, yeah, you know, um, guilty by association. You're off sure, the show. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let them do the dirty work, right? And, yeah. and, and so I, when you said when they're getting started, they, I mean, reaching out to your local RIAs, obviously, uh, finding guys like us that want to buy your houses. So, that, you know, the whole, I would say it's a marketing business and then it's a people business. So if you're going to go through all the trouble of marketing, you need to also have the people behind you that need to want to buy the houses because then you might let deals go away because you didn't have someone to buy the house from you to take it down. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think a thousand bucks a month is is probably, you know, say six grand. Assume six months is is probably fair. I, you know, I just I hate when I see somebody say, "Well, I've got five hundred bucks in the bank" or whatever it is, and they think that they're gonna, you know, be an active full time real estate investor. And and you know, I I always say, you know, I it's probably not a great idea unless you have some kind of money sitting there in the bank. Five hundred bucks is just not enough to really get the ball moving. At least to produce a living wage in, in my estimation. What would you say? I totally agree. Um, I, I look at people that uh, there's a, a dog grooming company in our town and they charge like $11,900 for a month class to become a dog groomer. And so, I mean, that might be a great profession, but I don't know any dog groomers that make $300,000 a year, you know, and I think there's some wholesalers out there that can. So if you're going to invest in, in this business and do it right, if you can at least put, you know, like we said, a grand a month, um, into it and maybe give yourself at least six months, um, you probably shouldn't start. It doesn't mean you can't uh, network. I, I talked to, it's funny, guys, I, I put a, a wholesale deal out to a group of wholesalers that are starting off. They market it. And then it, I get a phone call from somebody else saying, hey, I got a deal. And it turns out it's actually my house because guys are getting started by just middling deals, yep. which is fine. It's a big part of this business, it's, but it's a good way maybe to get started uh, without any money. You know, you, you talked about having that nest egg before you do this on your own. Um, it's a marketing business and then it's a people business. So if you can team up with somebody that's already doing the marketing, you can take their leads and, and, and help them sell them and still make some money to get started. Are you talking about wholesalers who are promoting your deals back to you? <laughs> yeah, it, it happens sometimes. And I say, well, that's funny because that's my house. So it, it goes out into the small town of St. Louis and then it comes back to me sometimes because it gets, you know, and, and it's even funnier when it's 11,000 more than I priced it. It's like the telephone game. You know, I'll say I'll sell it for 40 and then somebody calls me back and says, I got a deal at 51. And I'm like, yeah, that's my house. So, but are you know. these guys, so these are guys who have no interest in the deal that are basically just trying to market a deal that they found and yep. pitched to you. See, yep. I, I think that's absolutely horrible. I think what they're doing gives a terrible name to investors. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, I've had a lot of people come to Bigger Pockets and scream at me. Uh, that somebody was promoting a deal that was theirs that they had no right to do, and 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 I I get it, I get that they they were mad, and I would be absolutely livid. Now, granted, I understand that it's a business where it's all about marketing, but don't yeah. mark market something that you don't have a right to. Sure. Now, the guys I've dealt with have usually asked me, yeah, but then they push it out, and then you know once it starts, the web starts to go out, you can't really control it from there. No, no, no. I, I don't get mad about it. I mean, it's. You know, it's just guys, if you're, if you're going to be successful in any business, you need to hustle. Yeah. And so these guys that maybe have no other option are at least trying to get their feet wet in a business. And I don't think they're doing anything wrong. It's just a matter of can you find a buyer? 
yeah. for the property. Uh, yeah, I mean, I if, think, if, if they, keep, I think they're doing something wrong. Though, I mean, I, I I disagree on that, and and you know, we're not here to debate it. But I and I get your perspective, and I respect. It. I th- I'm I'm not bashing you whatsoever. I'm just saying, like, you know, pit, per, the first guy that you gave permission, cool. The next guy who jumps in, who doesn't have the right to do it, is you know, he's just making a mess of the whole picture, and he's he, you know, frankly, you don't know this guy from Adam. You don't know what tactics he's using. You don't know how he's promoting the message, and and so you've now lost any and all control of the marketing of that property. Uh, I think it's potentially dangerous for you and your business uh, when that happens. As as is one piece of the picture, I, and I think there's other components as well. It's and I think it's unethical. I think there's a lot of lot of stuff that goes with it. But that's again my opinion and. I actually, yeah, I actually do disagree slightly with that. I mean, I, I agree that you could lose control, but if I was selling my house and I was motivated to sell my, like, I want to sell my property right now. And Josh, you were to come to me and say, Hey, my buddy, Jim wants to buy your house. Well, of course I would be like, great, Josh, thanks for finding that buyer. Here's some money, right? Like, I don't care if you're marketing. I don't care if you marketed to a guy who marketed to a guy who marketed to a guy, my house sold for what I wanted. I'm happy. Right. That like, why would I care who, who was making a profit on it? You know what I mean? I, like, I agree with Brandon. Yeah. I mean, I almost think Joshua. Do you do a lot of wholesale deals? I don't do any wholesale deals. I, well, that's what I that's what I figured because <laughs> that, that is wholesale. I mean, so is wholesaling wrong? Then do you think wholesaling is wrong? I do not. But I don't see how it's any different. Uh, somebody has an interest in the deal, right? You mean actual like a contract? Yeah. You know, I mean, I've me, had pro- I, I've had properties. I've had to get. I've had property. I've had to get rid of, and I've told investors go find somebody to buy it, and you know if i've if i'm giving them the right to do it and they're that point of contact it's it's a semantic argument i mean it's it's i you know i have an issue that somebody just out of the blue is like hey yo what's up i got a piece of this property you want to buy it well dude you don't have jack you right. know don't pretend that you do you're you know you're misrepresenting yourself is what you're right. doing right. and that is just as bad to me as the whole bandit sign thing you're you're lying you're a liar you're a big fat liar and I'll never do business with you. <laughs> right. No, straight up. I mean, like you're a liar. So you, in your first thing that you're doing is lying to me. How could I possibly trust anything that you say to me from here forward? Right. You're right, Josh. And I don't think that they should represent themselves wrong. They should yeah. say, hey, I'm, you know, I've got this deal. Here's what we can sell it for. Yeah. I, you know, and to be honest, these guys, I compete with these guys every day in business, sure. right? Sure. They're there, you know, two, two minutes after I'm there and- I love competing against them because my company is very unique. We don't do any weasel call uh, clause whatsoever. Yeah. There's no more inspections. There's no 72 hours for somebody to come through it. When I write a cash offer, it is as clean as they're ever going to get. And so I'll just say to the people, Hey, I know you got a guy offering you three grand more, but does it have a, you know, 14 day or 21 day inspection period? Yeah. And then I just explained to them that they're just getting, nice. you know, getting middled. So, I mean, I, I, I don't mind competing against those guys. I can't, really stop them from what they're doing. Yeah. We, we, we do our business, you know, we, we control the deal with the contract, you know, that's, yeah. You know, and, and I think that's great. That that's, yeah, that's a powerful thing to do. And I think that puts you, you know, I get you, you said it, you know, that, that gives you a much better deal than somebody who's going to make a higher offer because they know your deal is, is going to close, you know, when you say it's going to close. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. People like that. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, and 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 the whole argument on on you know the the as I call them the Weasley uh, wholesalers, not all wholesalers, but the guys who don't have a right to it in my estimation. Yeah, I you know it it is what it is. We all have different opinions, and I you know I I don't think that you're bad for having a different opinion. I, I just well, and just to be clear, we we don't do that. It's yeah, happening. Yeah. Oh to, no, I know. I, I know. put them out and they come back. It's oh. not something I'm doing. Oh, I'm totally like clear on that. Yeah, I okay. I get that, man. I know you're. I just I have an issue if there's you know. We've got a lot of people. We have twenty five thousand people who listen to our shows. If somebody sits and listens to the shows, like yeah, that'd be a great idea, and you know, let me go do that. You know, don't don't do it because you know what? You run into somebody like me, I will blackball you to the oh. end of time. If I if you do that to me, you will never do business with anyone I know. I, I think they they should partner with somebody that has a lot of deals and and get the permission. They don't Agreed. need to do it shady. They need they can do it on the up and up, no problem. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think I think it comes down to two is what you're what you're pretending. People come on the bigger pockets forums all the time. And they're like, I've got deals in all fifty states, and I've oh, got oh, I've got a yeah. hundred million dollars. You know, like crap like that. Like that is flat out lying, right? Like they're saying that there there are deals, but if you oh, say yeah, good. if if I say <laughs> hey Philip, I got this uh, I got this uh, lead that I'm you know, on a, on a house for $12,000, you interested in it. You know, it's not my lead, but I got a, I got a connection. Can I hook you guys up? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. If I don't have it under contract, I don't think, I mean, unless there's something legally uh, wrong with, you know, not having a real estate license, I don't know. But right. I mean, if I get a, if I get a, if I get a, a lead on something from somebody who told me, of course, it's just, that's how business is done. There's always middlemen and everything. Always. I mean, and maybe I, I, it's, maybe it's in the presentation. Uh, yeah. And okay. I think heavily it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, because, so yeah. for me, I, I work with a lot of the young wholesalers who are just getting started. So they'll because they trust me, they bring me in super early. So like I know all the the numbers of the deal. So sometimes they'll say, "Hey, I just want to make three grand. Can can you go ahead and just buy this house too?" Like they'll bring me the deals and kind of almost step aside because they're they're almost scared to pull the trigger on any amount of money because they don't know if they can turn around and sell it. Yeah. So I like to work with the young wholesalers and go in and and say, "Hey, here's what here's what we're willing to pay." I think the other reason why wholesalers like to work with us because we do not get insulted over how much money that they're making. We understand the game. As long as we're buying it at the number that we want to buy it at, I don't care if they make 15, 20 grand on a wholesale deal. It's only a matter of, you know, we look at the numbers. Do they work for us? Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So, so for any, anyone who's listening, what, what advice would you give to, to new wholesalers in terms of, how to you know how to get the ball moving? Other than the you know you probably want to have some cash for marketing. Um, what else would you have to say? You you have to join your local RIAs. You have to be uh, start networking. Um, in in any business that you start, there's going to be this learning curve that's going to cost you a ton of money. With this business, it's kind of unique because you can get started with no money um, if you do your job well and you understand what it costs to rehab and what and understand what an ARV is you can get involved in this business and make a lot of money. So I think uh, the more knowledge you can have, the more people that you can align yourself with that know what they're talking about versus just going at it on your own uh, is, is very, very valuable. So I, I suggest joining your local RIA, and I also suggest finding someone. There are people in your town that have too many leads, so you need to go out and find that person and, and try to work with them on uh, their marketing or their efforts and you know try to learn the business. That is yeah. probably... One of my favorite pieces of advice that anybody has said on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Well, thank you. I, I seriously love that. You know, go out not not just find experienced people, but find the guys who have too many leads that they don't know how to deal with and help them deal with them. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. 
Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, last question I have before we want to move on and start wrapping things up, but it, what is your plan? I mean, wholesaling is not a, you know, 50 year strategy to retire on a beach, right? I mean, what's your, what's your goal with all this? Where are you planning on seeing yourself uh, next? Uh, my company has 154 rentals right now. Okay. And so while I don't do anything with the rental side of the business, I'm around a, a pretty big, you know, that's a lot of houses. So I get to see the, the pros, the cons of all of that. And so just like uh, anybody that's read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I want to put my, uh, you know, make my asset column be large enough to where if I, if I didn't wholesale anything for a year, I'd be okay. Cool. Cool. Very gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, why don't we move on then to... It's time for the fire round. All right, the fire round. These questions come straight out of the Bigger Pockets forums. So uh, let's see what you have to say. Number one, what is your take on the 70% rule um, that a lot of flippers and wholesalers use? Like, do you use that formula in your business? And Brandon, why don't you define it before? Sure. All right, so 70% rule basically says that uh, whatever the after repair value is, if you multiply that times 0.7 and then subtract out your repairs and then... That's your out. offer price. Well, yeah, and if you're a wholesaler, subtract out your offer price. That's what you should pay for uh, a property. What are your thoughts? I, I love that. Uh, we use it a little bit different. We actually have an 80% rule. And so when people hear that, their ears perk up because it's higher than the 70% rule, obviously. What they don't know is that we're pretty conservative on our ARVs. Okay. And so you can kind of control the deal uh, because, yeah, there might have been a comp for 149 but you know, if you tell yourself it's 129 you'll probably be a little safer. So and that allows us to be uh, an eighty percent rule instead of a seventy. Now, that's in, smarter in areas anyway. we don't like, yeah, in areas we don't like, we definitely use sixty percent, seventy percent rule. It, it's it is all a matter of the school district and how much do we like the property. Yeah, makes sense. And that's like, a, yeah, that's just smart to be conservative in your ARV anyway. It's always yeah. better to have more upside later. So, it, I mean, it's a, it's not a hard fast rule with any of this. You know, some some people like the young guys will come and say, "Well, Phil, I got it for you at your seventy cents on the dollar." But then their ARVs are way out of whack, and their re- the, the repair numbers is actually where they're always the worst. Yep. you know they don't see. Oh, it needs a new roof. It's like, well, how did you not see it? You know, so, um, so yeah, we use this, an eighty percent rule, but it's you know it's not a hard fast rule for any of it. It's just a a good way to look at it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Cool. And do you get mad at them for calling you Phil? No, I'm okay with it. <laughs> just me, huh? Just you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So, would you pay cash for your primary residence? Next question. I would, but I, but I would turn around and just get a line of credit back against it and put it back in the market. So um, it's all just an arbitrage play based on uh, what my interest rate and what I can get a return on my money. Okay, yeah, all right, that makes sense. All right, uh, this is kind of a cool question. Never asked this before. Do you think that driving luxury vehicles sends oh. a negative message to renters or sellers? I love this question. Um, when we get to the final, what my hobbies are. Yeah. I was going to kind of go into that a little bit. Um, so do you want me to do it now? How do you, do you know we're going to ask that question? Well, you always do. It's the <laughs> no, famous four. All right, fine. Somebody who actually listens. Yay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah no. So my hobbies, I consider myself a car guy. Okay. So people always say, oh, what kind of car do you drive? I drive a Toyota Camry. It's white. Nice. And I've recently been looking at some very, very nice cars, and I can't bring myself to do it. I, I can't pull up in a $90,000 car to try to buy an $8,000 house. Yep. It yeah. just looks bad. Yeah. And so... um, 
So no, I think it could be a detriment. And I think um, if you're going to have a nice car, that's great. Driving on the weekends, you know, uh, in this business, at least for our area, we're very blue collar. Um, the showy vehicle probably won't help you. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. Pickup truck or just kind of a down to earth average show car. Yeah. A pickup truck's great. I just drive 30,000 miles a year, so I don't want 14 miles a gallon. So that's why I drive there. Well, you should get the, uh, the, what's that little toy you picked up, Brandon? What's that thing you plug in to your uh, car? The automatic. Yeah. It's kind of cool. There's a, device called automatic you plug it into your car like any car from like 1993 and on and it'll like help you get better gas mileage it's kind of cool yeah automatic.com it's it's a neat really and that yeah. is uh that is not a paid endorsement it's just yeah, it's just a neat something. i improve my gas mileage driving on my prius from uh 42 to 47 just by having this device installed because it beeps when i stop or speed up too fast that's the main wow. use of it yeah it, just, it trains me to drive a little better without me even noticing so. Which is amazing because Brandon already drives like a grandma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me and my little pup, pup Prius. All right, next All right, good, question. Good, good, good stuff. All right. Uh, do you think traditional education is necessary for success in real estate? And if so, what degree would you suggest? You know, that's a great question. Um, me growing up, uh, college was never championed in my home at all. Not once, ever. And so to say that higher education... Uh, is what you're going to have to have to get to where you want to be. I don't believe that at all. It's, it's your own drive. Um, do I think it's beneficial? Sure. Especially, I mean, Joshua, you went to Wash U, a uh, very, very good school. And so you've learned a lot from that. And I think just about any person, um, we all learn from the experience that, w- that we've had in life. So for real estate, I think you just need to get in there and start doing deals, whether they're good deals, bad deals. You just need to continually push on. I mean, a lot of people after they would have lost 200 grand in 2007, eight might have quit and never even looked at real estate again, but I just kept pushing on. So I, I don't think it's necessary, but I'm very biased because I never went to one day of college. Right, right. Well, I, I mean, I learned how to do a keg stand at college. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, and, and every, everything that I've learned in my business, I've taught myself 100%, exactly. 100%. And, and yet, you know, it's it's funny. I I think it really is based upon your uh, your upbringing. You know, college was like pushed in my brain. You got to do college. Got to do college. And you know, I certainly learned a lot of things in school besides just doing a keg stand. But but uh, in, in the end, you know, was it valuable? Absolutely. Could I be where I am without it? Sure. And and uh, but but to your point, I think there's. There's a lot of people skills and other skills that you do get. And, and I, I mean, I think it's a good path for, for folks. Uh, it's not going to guarantee you a job, that's for sure. Yeah, sure, sure. And I've heard that uh, really good wholesalers a lot of times have a sales background. Yeah. And so for me, that just has always come naturally. Yeah. Uh, I'm not afraid to talk to people. Yeah. And so that really, really helps me with what I do every day. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I agree. A sales background does help. And that's probably why I struggle more with, I don't like talking to people because I don't like sales. So yeah. I need to yes. go get a job at like, I don't know, Verizon <laughs> or something. All right. Final question uh, in the fire round. <laughs> this one's actually my, my forum post. There's a baby bird in my wall. It's like there's birds in my wall. What do I do? Do I clean Wait, them out? St- or are they still there? No, no, they're gone now. But oh, so okay. have they started to smell? No, they're alive. Like they're just, they built a nest and oh. there's baby birds. What would you do in that case? You got a baby birds in your wall because you had a hole in your siding because you were lazy and didn't patch it up. Would you, you wait till they fly away? Yeah, when they die, they're going to smell 
really badly. And so is it a rental house or is it a house you're going to sell? No, it's actually my own personal residence. Oh, crap. Oh, yeah, you want to get them out of there. Um, but if they're not dead, I mean, they're just, a, they built a nest and they're inside my wall nesting. Do you wait until after the birds are gone? Do you pick them up and take them out of there? Yeah, you, I'd get them out. You, you punch a hole in the wall. What the hell kind of question is that? Yeah. Wait till they die. You, you cut a hole in the wall and you save the birds. That's it's what you Maybe it's time to rehab that wall or blow it out or something. Yeah, man. I, 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 well, what I did is I took the wall out of the outside. I took the siding off the outside and that way yeah. I could just put it because I have cedar shake siding. Just put it all back in place. So, well, anyway. not to, not to one-up your story, but I, uh, I bought <laughs> a house a few years back, and the family had 13 raccoons living in the attic. Wow. Did and they, they, did did they know that damage. the raccoons... Were they aware? Or just, <laughs> no, they were actually out of town, and the house was vacant, and so they came back and found it just a huge mess. It was oh, about man. a $5,000 bill. They had to replace all the insulation and Ooh. you know some drywall work. Fortunately, they stayed in one corner of the home, so that really helped. But yeah, you got to get critters out of there. There's a saying, no good could come of it, so... You yeah. gotta get them out. All right. All right. Good advice. Good advice. All right. Well, why don't we move on to the last segment of the show, which we like to call the Famous Four. All right. The Famous Four. These questions are the ones we ask everyone. You've listened to every one of our shows, Philip, so I know you know what's coming. Number yep. one, what is your favorite real estate book? Well, guys, I have a confession to make. Um, I might be the only person that hasn't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh. So knowing that I was going to be on the show, I read it last week. (laughs) And uh, it's a great book. I mean, so I hate to be cliche and go with it. But uh, what I what I really, really liked about it is that um, I'm kind of already putting a lot of those things in my life into place anyway. So it was just more of an affirmation of, hey, you're on the right path. Yep. But I do think anybody should read it. Um, That's just right on. That's what that's what it was for me when I read it. It wasn't so much that it taught me. It's more that it affirmed. That's a good way of saying it. It affirmed yeah. all those things that were like swirling around up in my head somewhere and like put them yeah. on paper. And I was like, oh, somebody else gets what I'm trying to say. And then I find out there's like a whole community of 170,000 people who uh, agree with what I'm trying to say. So, right. And, and kind of for Joshua <laughs> too, you know, we talked about uh, education earlier. I mean, we, we've been taught so many things that have nothing to do with what life is like. And so I think that that book kind of made you look at life a little bit differently. And a good example is that we're getting ready to talk about the hobbies and the cars and expensive cars again. Um, instead of me going out and paying cash for an expensive car, I'm looking at ways to what, how many assets do I need to buy to pay for that car? You know, and I yeah. just think that's the greatest part about it is that, yeah. that we, we have to change our brains a little bit. Yep. All right. So, so next question uh, is what is your favorite fantasy novel? <laughs> I'm going to go with my favorite business book. Oh, I don't, I don't, oh is that the guys, question? I don't read. Oh, oh who changed fiction? my who changed my notes? Come on! <laughs> yeah, no, no fiction Jeez. for me. I, I I'm, I'm kidding. I know. They are, yeah. What's what's your favorite business book? Uh, for me, it's a book called The Big Rich uh, by Brian Burrow. It's about the history of the oil business um, and how it's changed this uh, country, and um, it's just a great read. It's you know it has some huge arcs. Uh, one of the what was the family's name? The Hunt family. He decided he was going to buy all the silver in the world. Wow! And it backfired. On him. <laughs> and so just you know, you know these guys, these entrepreneurs that you know said they tried to do things that couldn't be done, and it's just a great read. It's one of my favorite books. Cool. I haven't read that nice. one. I'll check it out. Nice. All right, um, Josh, want to take the next one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, sorry, I was sleeping at the whale there. Whoa. All right. <laughs> 
Uh, so did you forget to unmute your mic. I, I did. I completely, you know, there's like a wicked thunderstorm happening right now. So I've got to mute it every time. Nice. Uh, there's, I'm not talking. So yeah. Next question. Hobbies other than, uh, your fancy expensive cars, you show off. No, uh, I, I no, don't. I'm just, own, I, I'm, just, I, I I'm, killing, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like to look at them. Uh, fortunately I have a, a, a joint a partner that I do have some side deals with yeah. and, uh, his family actually hit oil down in Texas. Oh, nice. And nice. Uh, he has an Audi R8, a Nissan GTR, and he's buying a Tesla. So anytime I get the itch, he just throws good me drive. the keys. And so that's really, really helped me. I need that friend. Yeah, that's that's good. A, we, we all do. He's a great guy. He's, he's like the friend of anybody who wants a boat because, you know, the, the, yeah. the two worst day on a boat owner's life of the day you buy, the best days of the day you buy and the day you sell. So, yeah, yep. right on. So, yeah, that helps me with my, as far as hobbies, it's sick to say, but I really like to look at real estate. Yeah. My wife and I just went to Los Angeles and we spent half the time or more just looking at estates in Beverly Hills nice. and uh, Malibu and you know just, just, just looking at real estate. I saw a $20 million lot that was on the water. Oh, so, cool. I mean, I just like to look at, I mean, I really love real estate. So it's, it's, it's what I do even for a hobby. Yeah. Cool. And, and you said you have a, a son when I cut you off earlier in the I show. I was a big fat jerk about it. So let's okay. talk about your boy now. <laughs> uh, Sterling, he's 20 months old and my wife is pregnant. We'll have another baby in August. So, Mazel uh, tov. Nice. Kids, yes. Congrats. Congrats. Very cool. That's great. It's, it's great. I love being a dad. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, final question. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up or fail? I have a couple, um, but I'll, let me just, I'll just read them. I stopped blaming others for my failures. That's good. People, people don't do that. They, they blame everyone else for everything that's wrong. And I, once I stopped blaming anyone else for my failures or my shortcomings it's really helped me be more successful um the other big thing is i I play ping pong all day long and and what i mean by that is in business something comes my way i try to hit that ball back as soon as i can put that whatever's needing to be done back in their court so that way i I, when i go to bed at night i don't think oh man i forgot to send that lead-based paint or i I forgot to do whatever it was i i go to bed at night knowing that everything else has been pushed back that i can push back into the other piece, you know, the other side of the table, I guess you'd say. Gotcha. That's great. Yeah, I, I think I've never heard it described as ping pong, but I, I think I do this the same thing. And, uh, you know, although that could lead to a frantic and very busy, uh, I'm always having to get back to somebody type of uh, a feeling, which Brandon's actually been yelling at me about, and I'm trying to do less <laughs> of that. Uh, sure. But, uh, my, my wife yells at me about it too. So yeah. I've been, you know, trying to take some time in the, in the evenings where the phone's not on, you know, yeah. to kind of, help with that. No, that's great. That's great. My, awesome. My other, my other big thing is I'm, I'm really never satisfied with being, being uh, mediocre. Um, I look at life as a, if there, you know, if there's a game to play, I, I, I want to win that game. Yep. And so that's just a drive that's inside of me. So I think that sets me apart than a lot of other people as well. That's awesome. Nice. Nice. And really quick, thank you so much. Where can people learn more about you? And by the, by the way, as I was telling you guys, there's a storm because I had to mute. We are now in a full-on hailstorm. It is, it is wicked. The cars in for outside, there's like almost golf ball-sized hail cranking around out here. And you could hear it if I shut up for a second. Nice, nice. Nice. Be yeah. careful. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm inside. Where, where, <laughs> don't have to worry about it. Where can people learn more about you? Um, you can... Find me at fasterhouse.com. It's like run faster. And uh, you could also email me at uh, philip, P-H-I-L-L-I-P, at fasterhouse.com. Cool. 
Very cool. And of course, you're on Bigger Pockets all the time. I see you there sure. in the forums. So, yeah. Uh, and we'll point to that in the show notes here, all those links and uh, at biggerpockets.com slash show 71. And uh, Josh is taking a video right now of the hail. So he'll I, put that up on the show notes as well. The hail. Yeah, this is, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we're going to put that on the show notes. Uh, with that, Philip, thank you very, very much. This show has been incredible. Uh, we've had a good time. I learned a ton from you. And as did I. Yeah, yeah. Watch this, Josh. I'm going to totally take de- your... Despite our <laughs> debate. <laughs> despite your debate. Okay. I Listen, I wasn't mad at you. I'm not mad at anyone. I just, I'm mad <laughs> at the people who are being shady. I, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I agree. Mean. All right. Well, I'm going to take us out then because Josh is busy making videos on his phone. Oh, must be nice. Yeah. yeah. Take it out, Brand. Take out the whole... Let's do the whole tail end of the show right here. It's all, right, all right, yours. Right here. here we go. All right, everyone. Philip, once again, thank you. Everyone else, you can listen to the... Uh, you can... Oh, I screwed it up already. This is why I do it. All folks. right, fine, do it, do it, Josh. Take it. Oh, come on! I'll give you. I'll give you a shot <laughs> right. there, big guy. Come on, slugger. Forever. Okay, here I go. I can do it. For everyone else, everyone listening to the show can find the show notes at biggerpockets.com/slash/show71. As always, we love reviews and ratings on iTunes. So please, if you have not done that yet, it really helps us stand out. It helps people uh, learn more about us to find us on iTunes all that good stuff so please do that also connect with us Facebook G Plus LinkedIn YouTube and Twitter I'm a big Twitter fan and jump on bigger pockets we love uh, we love interacting in the forums so come say hello and with that this is Brandon Turner signing off you're listening to bigger pockets radio simplifying real estate for investors large and small if you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. See, it wasn't that easy, was it, Brandon? (laughs) The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.